Yeah, I mean, I just kind of got up one day and got the invite and didn't realize I was testifying in, you know, Washington, yeah. D.C. when my voice was going to be heard by, you know, initially thousands, thousands of individuals that share the same thought I do. So I didn't ever think it was going to get to that level where I would have people calling me from Washington, from Mexico to Arizona to the Dakotas up north. I mean, Minnesota, I mean, even. So I went far and wide as far as my advocacy work to know I went and started said in such a small town to a going on a national level. And there's such a cry for help for families that really need just the direction. And initially that's what my you know existence is about, is creating that direction and opening those doors for communication. Dearlander, a purely Land Diego podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Jordan. I'm Amara. Today we have two very special guests, Tara and Taylene LeBeau. And apparently Scouts. And Scouts. <laughs> interested too. Yeah. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. Welcome, y'all. Thank you for having us. Yeah, Thank we're excited that you guys are here. For sure. It's been an exciting summer so far. So Yeah, what have you been up to? Tell us all the things. Oh, man, I don't even know where to begin. Well, recently I've started working for the Greater Yellowstone Coalition. So I have to start off as a conservation organizer here in the Winter Reservation as well as Lander and local towns. It's been an interesting adventure as far as covering some of my uh, social justice work and activism that I've been working on. and. A lot of it has to go towards um, advocacy for the people and, you know, working with domestic violence uh, victims and survivors. Jumping to another spectrum of actually fighting for our land layouts and our treaty rights for our tribal representation. So, again, jumping into our sovereignty practices and tribal governance and uh, education has been a really big priority on the reservation as far as the four different school di- uh, school districts. So, again... Just having hands in and being the boots on the ground, it's been really exciting so far. Like I said, an adventure and a lot of travel entailed with this. So, <laughs> you know, that's always a good thing. I don't know about right now with all the heat going on during the summertime, but again, a good adventure and a good time and a lot of interesting people. That's awesome. So how long have you been doing all of this work? Like, when did you get started? Mm. I would say in the works of probably from the very beginning, maybe about seven years now going into it. So I started out a while ago, um, just kind of coming out of high school, going into college. I initially started out in business and accounting. Woo-hoo, fun stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Math. Uh, That's what that right. says to me. I'm like, ow. Right. Ow. I thought I was going to be like a top-notch accountant, like be running everybody's books, and I got in there. I was trying to find the first place to hide. In the You're like, this is awful. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I was like, this is not what you're teaching us in school. <laughs> Checkbook and what? Balances? That's so relatable. You know, I went left field and went into marketing and public relations, which was more my forte so um, again socializing and getting out there with the community and connecting with everybody that was more of an excitement for me so immediately you could see I totally took you know the direction left field and said okay accounting you're on the back burner went into marketing which initially put me into business representation so a couple years ago about eight years ago I started a business with my husband uh, William LeBeau and so we started a business on the reservation uh, Reds Recon Automotive Detail LLC and he had worked 17 years at Fremont Toyota so initially uh, when we went into um, our own business we really wanted to be you know um, I guess self-sustainable in our own area as far as economic development of course you can understand the business perspective of it and then really understanding the dollar which is you know I guess that's the fun conversation <laughs> not really but in turn um, I always say economics and everyone goes ooh <laughs> 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 cringe moment but does turn, it ever make you think of uh, Mr. Quayle and you're like no. I'm so thankful for those social studies quizzes that you gave us every no. semester I always think of what man yeah the economics one always sticks out to me because I was like what is this <laughs> ah. why am I learning this yeah okay Which, so thankfully <laughs> thankfully I did because I'm like oh I at least know something but about what's back going on I had to throw Jeff Otizzi's name oh out. yeah for sure you made it a little bit more fun and interesting oh, but yeah. it all has to go back in the background and 
you know, initially from there, business grew, marketing went into it, public relations popped out, and just connecting with the people and the communities is like, um, was really exciting for me as far as becoming a Lander Chamber member as well. And so it just it just kind of grew into several different businesses, went from automotive into marketing and um, graphic design, public relations. From there, it went into advocacy work, and then from there, it went into conservation work. So it just kind of snowballed into bigger That's and bigger awesome. picture of uh, different experiences. So That's, it's been an exciting ride. It's like... That's a, I mean, that's a really cool, like, way that it kind of just... Yeah, the snowball effect. Like, all of that is so cool to then come together. I love it. I know. Yeah. I, I have to laugh when I work with my colleagues because they're like, well, Tara, do you ever rest? Do you ever sleep? <laughs> like, nah. Oh, you know, a low rest for the wicked, I guess. <laughs> and, you know, it's been fun, though, and just to have hands in different, you know, areas of you know, expertise and really um, getting a you know, hands-on experience for not only myself but for my kids. You know, yeah. that's been an essential part of the learning curve and learning process is letting my kids be able to witness the different hats mom wears as far as my husband has been being involved and being one of my you know key partners in all of this you know adventure we've been on and he's been a huge support as far as making sure <laughs> he's my biggest cheerleader he said I will not wear the skirt though <laughs> so it's been fun you know good times good. and the kids love it sometimes it's a give and take but you know kids want to have fun and rather than cut and dry <laughs> business perspective of everything there's always fun and adventure yeah. in the background too, that's good so. That's good. Cool. So y'all, y'all obviously went to school together. Yeah, we grew up together. Sweet. Um, for yeah. years. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you go to Wind River and you're together for, you know, right. many, many years. Um, but yeah, I think, do we play volleyball together? I think we did. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we volleyball. Did I did basketball, basketball for a hot second. <laughs> hot, hot. It was like two weeks. And I was like, there's so much running. <laughs> I can't do it. Um, but yeah, so we like... Your little brother was in my class. Yes, absolutely. John, mm-hmm. one of my faves of all times. Oh, yeah. Uh, we used to play Polly Pockets together. So. Oh, well, what is Polly? What is Polly Pockets? You don't know what Polly Pockets <laughs> are? No, what is that? They're like these little... No, like, I don't. <laughs> I'm like, oh. They're like these little... Um, they came in like little containers like this big and like different shapes. And when you'd open them up, there were like different worlds in them with like this little tiny doll in there. They were like the bees knees. They yeah, they like were so fun. They were like different shapes across the world. Like it looked like a little compact makeup. Yeah. And everybody's into like little knickknacks. And so like whoever had the biggest collection was like in like Flynn. That's oh my God. Table. Yeah. But, were y'all trading and stuff? Um, we would borrow. Yeah. We would borrow definitely. But yeah. God forbid you lose the little person's oh. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it was like, that like, like, You can't see my fingers. Nobody but, in the world. Like they were like an inch big. Like, yeah, they were like the so size of tiny. fingernail. It was so small. They had little yeah. tiny accessories with them, like oh. little dogs and cats. It was, it was an interesting time, but you know, those were good times. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And nowadays, we just have the containers. Yeah, we're like, oh, where'd the people go? <laughs> Shoot. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wind River was fun. Oh, I loved it. I mean, there was yeah. times, there were some divisive times out there, but you know, yeah. more, nonetheless, I mean, good experience, you know, especially in, you know, current time I learned a lot from you know being in Wind River to transferring um, pretty much all over you know the countryside pretty mm. much I would call it because coming from up north to down south completely different environment um, experience different you know folks different groups of people different demographics so I've learned a lot moving away from my podunk town country home pavilion in Crowheart to go down to a bigger city um, it was really interesting because then I really realized how much I missed the countryside and miss the river in my backyard and miss the trees surrounding my home and miss yeah. the people. Yeah. I mean, we were like family out there and everybody knew everybody and if you ever needed help, everybody was always willing to step up and help you out in a small town. And that's what I really missed about it when I moved away was not knowing anybody going from a big country family to going to a, you know, pretty much like a mini city family, which was none because it's a college town. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, being a high school or junior high going into uh, college living, totally different. Everybody's doing adult stuff, college stuff, living the college life, which to me really didn't seem too fascinating in the beginning being a high school because I was like, who would want to live like that? <laughs> Deprived of sleep, starving to death, living off of fumes and gas tank. You know, I'm pretty sure the... The college parties were fun. I mean, end-of-year parties and everything. Oh, yeah. So everybody does the block parties down south and barbecue. And 
where we lived at, my brother-in-law was one of the barbecue kings. So, of course, you can imagine our block parties were huge mm-hmm. down there. And it was amazing. My sister and I went to school in Haskell, so down in Lawrence, which was a good time cool. down there. That's awesome. Learned a lot. Good times, good weather. I was glad to get away from the winter time. I seemed to bounce back and forth and avoid winter for a Sweet. while. Nice. <laughs> but then when, you did, <laughs> yeah, then when you did get stuck down in Kansas during winter, it was ice storm. So, you know, these storms are crazy. I what well, I thought, oh, this is different. It's pretty cool until you walk out and there's a tree branch laying on your neighbor's car. Yeah, or you're, you're like, like trying to walk in them and you're like, yeah, like just sliding you, all over. They're you crazy. Live up, you live uphill or on an incline, and your car's like. Hopefully you got good tires and everybody's a college student, so it's like, what am I, am I getting noodles this week or tires? Yeah. So. What am I doing? <laughs> I'm sure. Thank God everything was in a walking distance. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. College is a rock throw away, you guys are good. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Sweet. So you know. So cool. For Did sure. you see tornadoes? Um, yes, actually we did experience one tornado when I got down there. It's like um, my biggest fear. <laughs> at, to, I, uh, you know what? I thought it was going to be a fear, but I was like the child of intrigue. So I was like the curiosity killed the cat type. And I'm like, <gasps> let's drive towards it and check it out. And everybody down south is like, like trying to like go and find their <laughs> shelter, like seek refuge somewhere, find a tunnels, whatever it is. And I'm like, hold on. I just want to, I just want to see it. I just want to like, this is the scene of Twister. <laughs> like driving towards the tornado. And my brother-in-law's like, get in here right now <laughs> I'm like, like no I've never seen a tornado in my life but you know it, it, that's the whole different experience of coming from yeah. north to down south and really trying to understand and then of course witnessing my niece like just get so like scared to death down there with this tornado happening because she had lived down there for years so every time you hear a siren yeah it was like panic mode and so to witness that and how real it was to be in a situation like that or scenario, I was like, you know what? Maybe I don't want to drive towards a tornado. <laughs> yeah. And more or less, I'll yeah. just wait till the news comes on. And yeah. Check it out. Check it out. I'm the afraid aftermath I'd... is crazy. Oh my God. I'm afraid I would be doing the same thing. Just because... Well, yeah, because we've never seen one. Because well, I would probably want to see one, and I'd be panicking at the same time. Like, totally pooping my pants, but like... Yeah. I'd be like, I need to see it. Like that tornado in Laramie that happened, like, three or four years yeah. ago, whatever. You see videos of that thing, and I was... Yeah. Oh, my God. You know? I think I would totally be, like, walking towards it. Just in amazement. And then not even realize that I'd be, like, closer than I should be. You know what I <laughs> yeah, mean? Yeah, that's totally me. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> this is so me. And, you know, you're never, you, it's like you underestimate the power of Mother Nature more yeah. or less. Because, you know, you just never experience that. Like, you have, like, we need to experience everything in life. Mm-hmm. But, again, to just kind of go through that, it reminded me of a time also in Fort Washington, they had Shoshone Indian Days that one year. Like, a couple, of, what was that, like, oh, Nine years ago, eight years ago, that isn't that crazy? Ago. We're like, there was uh, like a, I know we have to now count like uh, Use those fingers. <laughs> I don't even. Right, I'm using two hands now because of <laughs> that long ago. And anyhow, same thing. A mini tornado formed. We had a funnel cloud form like up near by the powwow grounds. And of course, was do you think anybody was like seeking refuge or hiding in their car? Everybody was like. We're just walking as our tents are flying away. We're just like so mesmerized by this fun. We're like, is it going to touch? Is it going to touch? Not my mom. She's from Oklahoma. So she's like, you better hope it don't touch. You better hope it don't touch. Right? I was like, we need that much hope, guys. Get everybody good in the car. <laughs> Safety first. I'm like, are we going to get lifted? Are we going to twist? Or no, we're, we're in for rush key. It's okay. It's totally fine. We're but it is kind of crazy because we don't really have... I mean, I guess, like, we have Yellowstone. That's, like, the biggest thing of, like, if that ever explodes. But, like, we don't have, like, crazy natural phenomenons like that. Do do we really? I mean, like... Not like... Not like that. Not like earthquakes or tornadoes or, or hurricanes. A lot of snow. I feel like that kind of <laughs> reminds me of, like... Like, one of Sarah's best friends is from L.A. And when Sarah took her friend from L.A. to Yellowstone... I think y'all might know what I'm about to say. She was, like, <laughs> saw Buffalo and was, like flipping out and oh, like started to open yeah. the door you know and was like well i just want to get close to the buff and sarah's like there's i can you cannot but they took the petting zoo signs down we were yeah not today nope these are and not I, the correct ones i have to say living in crow heart we did have plenty of earthquakes down there many earthquakes did you really you would and, I was a kid, so you know kids don't pay attention. Yeah. But when you wake up and dad's up at five a.m. in the morning drinking coffee, watching the news, and the sun come up, he's like, "Did you feel the earthquake?" 
No, I was dead asleep. <laughs> I missed, why did you wake me up? He was You're like, like, what? He was like, it was 25 seconds, dude. You're fine. I'm like, I miss the earthquakes every time. I swear there's probably about six or seven out there. I miss. That's crazy. Yeah. I didn't know that. And it comes from all the way from Yellowstone because it's literally, you know, a rock throw away from Crowheart where we live at. So... It was amazing. I never knew that as far as the impact of what flows down from Yellowstone that goes through Kona. Yeah. I'm like, wow, these rivers are high. Let's go swimming. And yeah. yeah. Float away <laughs> in the river. Find me down yonder. It's fine. we will be looking at the sky. <laughs> Tornado, maybe? Find me a pavilion down there. <laughs> Going to school, guys. <laughs> a raft and trip on me. <laughs> Why didn't we ever do that? I feel like we should have. I know. Uh, I don't know. Float the the river out in Crowheart. Yeah, we should have like floated mm. to school or like had float days. I feel like we would have had so much fun. I know. You know, a diversion dam took all that. Yeah, rude. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So tell us about. Um, so do you guys live in Lander now, or are you? Where are you? Right now, I'm currently in Fort Washkie, cool. in the heart of everything that goes on. That's for, like, my home. And, you know, with my dad um, being an original, you know, Shoshone bloodline out there, it's been interesting for me to connect with my father's roots and to really, um, you know, find the roots of, you know, our land layouts, our history, our traditions. I thought that was really important for me to grow up in Fort Washkie. Um, growing up in Crowheart most of my life, then growing up in predominantly, you know, white societies, um, I never had the opportunity mm-hmm. to grow up with my relatives or grow up with my traditions or ceremonies behind me. So moving out to Farwashki has been quite the experience. I've lived out there for almost, what, 12 years now, 13 years. And so we actually are developing land on the plus side out here on 2nd Street here in Lander. So I've still been, because my dad grew up on Amoretti as well. Oh, yeah. Great street. So, right. So I have to say with him growing up across that way, uh, it's been an experience to kind of have the balance between Lander and then learn about my ceremony. So yeah. it's been, you know, a good learning experience uh, for myself and not only myself, but my kids. Um Myself being Rappaho and Shoshone and my kids being uh, Rappaho and Shoshone as well. Uh, they're predominantly grown up on the Shoshone traditional side, so they speak Shoshone language fluently. Learning their Shoshone background and culture is really important to me being a treaty tribe mm-hmm. member. And so finding that balance again coming into Lander and really understanding my dad's you know upbringing here in town as well. I mean, back in the day, he used to have a JCPenney account way back on Main Street, way back in the day. <laughs> like, Probably wearing corduroys or something. That's awesome. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> God forbid he did. God rest his soul. He's probably shaking his head. He's like, don't tell those guys. <laughs> don't, don't tell them about my JCPenney corduroys. <laughs> right. And I think that's a big essential part of history, especially here in Lander, is just knowing the land layout as well. Yeah. You know, and the history of how the town, you know, what it used to look like to where it looks like now, which is completely different and changed as my dad grew older and you know, there's a new store going up, you know, and he starts telling like that, you know, that crazy old man. And I'm like, Dad, it's okay. Change is good. <laughs> He's like, not in my time. <laughs> so it was really good to hear his historical background as well as how, you know, being able to transition to Fort Washke and go on the traditional side of uh, our lifestyle. Um, it's been exciting, you know, and I've been really um, intrigued by learning different um I guess different groups of families, just different bands of families, and how it balances with our surrounding townships, you know, yeah. especially being on the reservation. And everybody calls it, you know, the borderline, although I, I really try to break those barriers as an individual. And I always say I like to bridge the gap, and uh, I like to knock walls down as far as opening it up to opportunity, you know. And I think that's really important as far as creating a little bit more diversity and unity when it comes to community. And I think that's been important and an essential role that I've been playing. So, again, growing up in Fort Washington, now coming into Lander and developing my own land out here. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited. I think the kids are more excited. They talk about chickens all the time. So... That's yeah. another thing that I want to be into. And, you know, economically, I think it's going to be essential for their actions and for them to keep their time busy with chickens. So that's I guess, awesome. I guess that's Neat. our motivation besides digging up the ground and the fun part of yes. trying to lay the lines <laughs> yeah. up, drag the house in and put up the foundation. Other than that, we're excited, though. I'm that's... excited to be a part of Lander. And again, just being still close to our homelands and being connected with Farwashki and um, our other communities out on the reservation. That's so cool. What's your favorite thing that you've learned so far since kind of reconnecting to your family in Fort Washkie? Like, 
have you had a really cool experience that was kind of life-changing for you? Or like, is there something that kind of made you feel like this is awesome and I want to carry this forward? Uh, I think the most exciting part that I've learned so far is reconnecting with my elders. I think that's something that's been really exciting to me. That's been a highlight of my life so far. I mean, besides growing up with all, you know, my relatives, my cousins and my aunties and my uncles, I think that's been an essential part to my learning process is reconnecting with the elders. I know growing up as a child, my dad would take me to volunteer like at Morningstar Manor out of Fort Washakie. And not only that area, but the senior center down at um, Big Wind and Crowheart. Um, and also just doing outreach here in Lander as well as a child. So getting to sit down and listen to all the old stories and listen to when life was really tough. And no, it was really simple. <laughs> um, as far as that goes, I think that's been a highlight to me is just reconnecting with them and getting to hear the history um, of where, you know, not only I come from, but my children come from and our ancestors, you know, come from as far as putting us to where we're at today. So getting reconnected with our roots um, and grassroots, I think that's been an essential role um, and an excitement, you know, for me is being able to, you know, I never knew in, in my background that being on the front line of more or less what we call today activism, but social justice issues that we deal with as, you know, tribal representatives. So getting reconnected there, that, that really creates the intrigue for me to really, you know, kick open that door and understand, you know, how traditional we are and how essential we are to the land layout. You know, as, you know, Native representatives, I think that's pretty important to me, you know. And so that's yeah. been the highlight. That's been the most exciting, invigorating portion of my experience so far is getting on that front line and being a modern-day warrior as far as what we come from in the history. And so learning about it in school, as we know, you know, pretty black and white to now understanding, you know, how colorful our history really is. And so, you know, I think that's been really exciting. And then dragging my kids and my husband along for the adventure has been a plus side because we get to see a lot of different places. So the travel has been essential as well and an exciting portion to it as well. Cool. Mm. Where have you guys traveled so far? Um, like everywhere. So, <laughs> from, I mean, we've been from Denver to Montana. Uh, we've been, I've been all over from like South Dakota myself. I've been to Las Vegas. I've just traveled from here to there down to, you know, Kansas, Oklahoma. There's a lot of different areas that I've traveled to to experience these different um, scenarios or events to learn a lot and become educated based on the, the social justice background that I advocate for. And not only that, but the connections of different tribes. That's been important as well as just being the boots on the ground and getting to stand next to them, you know, in real time and getting to observe the environment they come from or what they live in every day. And to be honest, our reservation is very unique and one of a kind based on our area and our resources that we have at hand compared to a lot of the areas that I've traveled to. And a lot of those areas um, are based around the reservation observation that I go into on my research and development process. And so to do a lot of our data collection, I've worked with Abigail Uckelhawk on the Urban Indian Health Institute. Something that we work on is decolonizing data. So getting in there and being the boots on the ground and getting to connect with the community members and doing the community outreach, that's the essential part of the experience is that travel when it comes in because everybody like believes, oh, you get a nice hotel and, you know, five-star restaurants and, you know, flying on an airplane. They see the, they see the facade part of it in the front line, but... <clears throat> Once you get in there and you get to sit down and start to do your advocacy work and start to sit down and, you know, start making those connections, that's when the real time comes in and the hard work starts coming because you're connecting. You're making those connections. You're, you're, you could be reopening old wounds. You could be reopening old doors. You could be reopening opportunity or, you know, or therefore opening new doors to opportunity for individuals that have never seen that before or if they have to go back and re-experience some things, you know. So again, along that, along the road travel, that's a lot of the experience comes in when you have to really get to connect with individuals and hear their background. And I think as a community representative or outreach individual, that's always been my priority is to make sure I'm hearing the other individual's voice first. And I'm the type to where I want to bring you to the round table. I see you out there. I'm going to pull you forward and make sure you're at the round table with me because everybody's story is really important. So, Can you yeah. talk a little bit about what it means to decolonize your data? 
Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, a lot of uh, a good example that I have for decolonizing data is our um, MMIW, MMIP reporting that we worked on. I actually got to work next to um, Dr. Emily Grant from University of Wyoming for that. Um, we did a lot of research and data collection for that. And when we went into it initially, we pulled everything from like archives from years and years and years ago, cold case files. Um, a lot of it has to do with different departments that we work with um, on the authoritative side, jurisdictional, or you know, the jurisdictional side of it. And once we got in there, to really read into a lot of the reportings and to identify how a lot of uh, um, information was categorized and how it wasn't categorized, it was, it was really an eye opener. So when we get when we got into it, and I spoke with Abigail Echohawk, and I really wanted to understand how to collect data. I wanted to make sure I did it with um, with grace and with respect, and make sure I, you know, followed through with it with the the most respect I could up front because these are families, these are victims and survivors that we're working with. So when I went into it, when we talk about decolonizing data, we want to talk about, for example, a coroner's report. Um, and we go back to the MMIW MMIP um, workshops that we've done. You know, you're gonna get a you know, more than likely a Caucasian coroner that's going to come in there and they're not going to be able to <clears throat> identify an individual accurately unless they really know what that background is of that individual. And of course we can understand what the, you know, the colonialism that we deal with nowadays and the, the you know, when we talk about more or less missing and murdered is a form of genocide. And of course we can go way back in history and really understand what genocide represents. You know, that that was a way of them trying to eradicate our people. So again, when we talk about that, we start to really identify, well, how is this being worded? How is this being written down? How is it going to be recorded? And so understanding the difference between, you know, a coroner that would not really understand the native background is going to just identify them as, you know, brown skin. We don't know if they're, you know, Mexican, Native, you know, Hispanic, whatnot, you know, I mean, they just throw anything out there and put anything down because, again, it's a minority. So when we go in there and we want to decolonize data, we want to better identify that indigenous individual. We want to better identify the background, the last name. So it really goes back to the genealogy of that individual as far as the ancestry. And so once an individual really knows who that person is, that's how we start to decolonize that data. Instead of throwing them out there as, you know, a, a brown-skinned individual, now we have an identity to the individual by decolonizing that data that's been collected and really resurfacing it and making sure it's better identified as an individual because they're human. And so at the end of the day, that was my biggest experience in decolonizing data and how to understand how we're wording the categories of missing and murdered individuals. And so that was an eye-opener to me of understanding how we're storing and collecting the indigenous data versus throwing it in a box and throwing it in archives and letting it sit there for 30 years. Therefore, we get a lot of cold cases, unidentified individuals. So what we do is when we go in there and we start to do trainings for decolonizing data is we want the individuals to more or less take a cultural sensitivity course, really understand what it's about to be indigenous or to be native. And then not only that, we're very communal. Um, that's really important is to always have the families on the front line. And that's something that had a lack of attention to during our research was uh, the loss of interest from the department side of really trying to protect the minority or the indigenous communities. And so again, that's why I think where the fight came in of understanding how to decolonize data is to redirect it in the native perspective and have a native input that's really essential towards what, what the category is or the scenario is about having a native voice on standby and having a native representation there in the background at all times when it comes to a minority or, you know, an indigenous individual. That way that, when I say bridge the gap, like I said before, that's bridging the gap is making sure we're making those connections between just not understanding or just bringing more educa education to the table for a better understanding as a whole. So that's been something we work on as decolonizing data is pretty much recollecting it, rewriting yeah. it, and then putting it out there as it needs to be. So we've added a few more lines of questions in that, in that you know, reporting that comes into play versus 
you know, simple descriptions versus actual descriptions of background. Sure. So that's kind of an explanation as a whole. I hope that answered your question. Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah. That's a, we want to create more yeah. balance in communication. Yeah, absolutely. So is that, when you're traveling to other reservations, is that the kind of work that you're doing? Is you're helping to decolonize their data, collect it, make those connections, that kind of thing? Or are you kind of doing a little bit of everything like you were saying you're doing here? Um, yeah, I'm so curious. Your life is so cool. I'm like, oh, yeah, tell me everything. Yeah, exactly. Like, I know. Once I get into it, I mean, I could talk for days about it because there's been so much experience behind all of my work that I put out there in my advocacy. But um, absolutely, your question is, you know, uh, it, pretty much I do a little bit of everything. Initially, I go in there as the icebreaker, and I really want to open the doors to collaboration and communication across from community to department. Or program. Gotcha. So okay. uh, a lot of the time, um, the community members, you know, there's a lot of trauma and hurt that goes behind certain scenarios. And it doesn't always have to be the advocacy side. It can also be like just the community outreach side of different, you know, needs they may have. You know, if, they, if they're not backed on their water rights, if they don't have clean water, if they don't have good solid waste management. I mean, it goes across the board as far as uh, certain specific needs the tribes may need. When I go in there, I usually try to reconnect the state side, federal side, and tribal side. And it's trying to just lasso all those areas in at one point then be able to have a sit-down conversation because what's happened in the past is there's a lack of conversation happening you know yeah we, sure and what happens is they say well we've mailed a letter we've mailed cool. a letter uh-huh. yeah <laughs> great i mean we don't really have the point of stress around here anymore but i don't know how far that goes so in turn we're in you know we're in new times you know we have virtual we have phones where we can pick up you know and answer a call you know so there's a lot more areas of connection that can be reached versus yeah the mailing of a letter and just like one time you know like throughout my life and in my experiences it's like it takes way more than one time right to like build those connections like you can't just like well i did the thing the one time (laughs) Cool. Like, that just doesn't work. And then assume that you've reached out and your job is done. Yeah. Exactly. And that's where the buck stops, you know? Yeah. When they initially feel like, mission complete, I've mailed the letter. Well, that's where, you know, some of my advocacy work comes in or my community outreach comes in is when, you know, Latera shows up and she's like, oh, no. I mean, it's, like, (laughs) not necessarily scary. It should be a good thing because... What I initially plan on doing when I walk into your office or I walk into your community is to reconnect the the loss of communication. And that's what has happened with all these years with life going by you so quickly. We just recently had this pandemic going on, huge hit on reservations, huge hit on communities, money flowing out of everybody's ears, you know, from the government side. So, you know, and then it's like when you do get that money, what do you do with it? You know, how do you allocate this funding that's immense, immense amounts towards something that's beneficial for these communities and that's going to be sustainable and, you know, initially good for them? And so when I go in there, I usually just try to start out as like, hi, how you doing? This is so-and-so, this is so-and-so, and I usually hit the road. But in turn of my experience and going into it for so many years and understanding the education background of that, um, of that communication line, uh, individuals are like, let's please stay. <laughs> please stay. And I'm like, you know, I'm used to getting in and out, but now yeah. it's to the point where I'm being called to the round table. I'm being called to certain, you know, areas in higher departments than I ever thought I would be sitting in, you know? And so, again, just reconnecting the different areas that are really essential towards operations in a community is what it started out to be. And now I'm, I'm starting to be on the front line where I'm doing presentations, I'm educating communities, and I'm sharing about different sovereignty practices and tribal governance and really trying to bring you know native communities up to the round table with the surrounding colonial communities that we really need to bridge the gap on of the collaboration efforts, you know? I mean, I think our... Our black and white era is so far behind us now in modern time. There's there's so much, you know, 
you know, to life now where it's like we really can't live that black and white scenario anymore. It's we've got to become more diverse, you know, we have to become more unified as far as identifying one another and each other's needs. And that's, you know, a far, you know, I think it's far from where I'm at right, I mean, where I was at then to now, but um, I have high hopes and that's all I can really have as far as, you know, making sure that my work goes far. And initially, like I said, I started out small and went to something big to where I was actually sitting on the presidential task force for the MMIP and MIW movement. Wow. So I never thought I'd find myself to that level. That's so incredible. It's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. I mean, I just kind of got up one day and got the invite and didn't realize I was testifying in, you know, Washington, D.C. when my voice was going to be heard by, you know, initially thousands, thousands of individuals that share the same thought I do. So... I didn't ever think it was going to get to that level where I would have people calling me from Washington, from Mexico to Arizona, to the Dakotas up north, I mean, Minnesota, I mean, even. So I went far and wide as far as my advocacy work to know. I went and started in such a small town to it going on a national level. And there's such a cry for help for families that really need just the direction. And initially that's what my you know existence is about, is creating that direction and opening those doors for communication and help. I have a question. Yeah. So we love Lander and we like to talk about Lander a lot. For sure. Yeah. But one of the things that we kind of talked about, especially the season two opener, there are things that can be done better in Lander, obviously. And just hear you kind of speaking about maybe like the black and white um, and then, and then moving past that into more unity. What have y'all noticed in Lander that could be done better like what can we work towards yeah if you could tell lander one thing what would you tell lander hmm what would i tell lander good question that is a that is a really good question one thing i tell lander is to keep an open mind you know and i think that's pretty cliche but at the same time with um experience the border towns as we call them and surrounding areas of the reservation Lander's always been in our backyard, more or less, um, especially with a lot of the history and the connections that go together with Lander and Chief Washke. Um And not only that, but to modern times where we do, you know, native dancing, you know, every other week here in Lander as far as uh, art representation. So I think just maintaining an open mind and um, I think that really opens the door to understandment, and I think that's what we really need to thrive off of is understanding one another, and I think that's important to just keep an open mind towards. Um, and that's pretty much what I would say if there was that one thing to Lander, and then I would like to see, you know, if there was an error correspondence on that of what does an open mind look like, what is an open mind to you, you know, yeah. that's based on the individual asking yeah. the question. You know, that's what they should be asking themselves initially. Yeah. So I think that's what one thing I would say to Lander. Are there areas in Lander that you wish were more inclusive to that mindset? Um, yeah, most definitely. Um, growing up on the business side of uh, Lander, um, being in the Lander chamber for uh, a little bit and really getting to experience the different businesses I worked with on uh, the marketing perspective, and uh, not only that, um, a big experience I had in that was the half cent tax initiative that we put on the ballot. I worked with the, the Riverton ambassadors and became a Riverton ambassador myself. And to get that on the ballot, the half cent tax initiative, which crossed the Fremont County was initiated. Um, I was called to the round table by some individuals in Riverton and some pretty hierarchy individuals that were saying, hey, we need more votes. And so I began to go to these meetings for the Hasset Tax Initiative and not really understanding what it was about, but I knew it had to do with economics. <laughs> My favorite word. <laughs> Coming back to it. <laughs> 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 and so when we went back into it um, and I went and sat at one of the meetings, I was able to really listen what that Hasset Tax Initiative was about. Knowing on the back burner, the reservation had a hand in opportunity with that funding once it starts to build up. And that was where I was like, okay, well, I guess I do have a foot in the door, which intrigued me. And to sit at the table with the different business representatives, and it becomes about money, you know, monetary value, the big fight for that dollar. And 
uh, to me, you know, being from the reservation, you know, money is essential, but, uh, you know, our families are a priority always. So we, we really don't look at it as, you know, as when, when, a, when an outsider that's not on the reservation, a non-native gets money or a handout or, or what you, whatever you would want to define it as from the state, it's, it's economy, it's economic decision. When a native gets any type of handout from the state as it's owed because of treaty rights or treaty obligations, then it becomes welfare. So to me, that, that difference in description was really unfair to me to hear that on the business side. Yeah. Um, and I became successful in my own realm to be able to walk into certain places or establishments and be treated as a hierarchy native. When I would see, um, you know, a, a one of my citizens that I work with in the community, one of my community members walk in uh, and be treated differently because they didn't get the experiences myself or other individuals in my category would have, you know, and see if there's that word, it becomes a category. And mm -hmm. to me, it was unfair to watch my hard work be rewarded when I know this individual works just as hard as I do, but be treated so differently yeah. and not be served in certain areas. And that really, you know, it broke my heart. But not only did it break my heart, because when you when somebody makes you sad, my grandma said, don't get mad, don't get sad, get even. So my, my. <laughs> I, I like grandma. I, I, at first I was like, that kind of scared me. But I was like, like grandma. And now you're like, yes, like, grandma. Then I thought about it. And I thought, you know what, this old lady's smart. <laughs> And so I really had to take that statement and, you know, into my own, you know, operation and understand how she said it and how she meant it, which when I thought of how to get even was to become successful, to become a hard worker, to match those around me that thought they were better than, you know, the indigenous communities. And so again, going back to the business perspective of it and the business experience of it, going back to the half cent tax initiative, sitting at the round table with all these millionaires, more or less, that just open businesses because they, they have nothing else to do. <laughs> they want to like hire a bunch of people under them and boss them around because they're inheritance, you know, yeah. babies more or less, especially here in Lander. There's a lot of those. You know, and I, I've worked in a lot of different areas. To understand. <laughs> I feel like a bobblehead over here. Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> See, and that's the that's the historical part of my dad's upbringing and mm. explaining these different areas to me and diversifying my perspective of not you know not only a native perspective but the hierarchy or the higher society perspective, which is you know and and I hate to say it this way but coming in and working in you know one of the mom and pop shops locally for years on end. They said, you know, this, my coworker said to me, and she's a great gal, you know, I respect all my coworkers, I loved them, we became family, you know, the mom and pop shops around here, everybody becomes so close. Mm -hmm. This community is so close, and, you know, I, and, and I wouldn't ever put Lander down, I love Lander, I love Lander people, I love Lander folk, I love how this, this area is also very communal, and very protective of one another, and they have opened their arms and made me feel so welcome since I've been a part of this and meshing into this community in the past yeah. 10 years so again you know I get protective of lenders sometimes not only because of the individuals I know but because of my dad's upbringing and history here in town so I always have to protect the front line of hit you know his ex existence in this town as well so again I think a few areas of understanding is just hearing how I really want to open that door towards communication and unifying those differences and you know there's some areas that i think could be a little bit you know i mean bluntly they need to be cleaned up they need to be having that open mind that i speak of mm -hmm. you know create a little diversity you know we're not always here as a as a borderline you know a borderline town lander's not always going to be a borderline town to the reservation it should be you know an open opportunity yeah. you know an open doorway to bridge that gap because when we talk about economics Let's talk about where all of the money comes in from the reservation and where it goes to, you know? And yeah. that's a big study that I've worked on. When we go into, you know, and I'm trying to stay, you know, non-political, but going into it and doing a lot of study for a campaign I've worked on and understanding our economic portion of our area in the county, I see a lot of our oil and gas revenues that go out to these surrounding communities. And when I see these districts and these school districts become millionaires, because of those 
oil and gas industries, well, who, you know, who pays the most taxes here in Fremont County, you know? And when we go back to a perspective of cleaning that up, the hierarchies need to understand that, you know, the bottom dollar and where it comes from, especially when their grandkids or their children are going to a top class school because of those oil and gas revenues. So again, being open-minded, being understanding, and also just being, you know, communicative between one another and not to look at it as in Rapport way, you know, we don't have other sides. We don't have walls or, you know, divisions or fence lines. We have neighbors. And initially that's what we are, you know. So I guess opening that boundary line to saying we're not just a border town. We're neighbors and neighbors look out for each other. And initially that's what my perspective is wanting to be around. But again, you know, you always got one in the, you know, one in the bucket. And so that's something you got to deal with as far as wanting to clean up areas. It's been going on like that for generations, you know, and yeah. before yeah. my time. So to say something needs to be revamped or maybe even identified or looked at, to be quite frank, it's a loss. You know, we only can move forward with what we've given. And that's the opportunity to be able to just keep open-minded on our end as well as the other end, hopefully. So... Yeah. <laughs> um, Amara sent me a screenshot of. Yeah, because I was like, no, but really, you need to know how badass she is. And I was like, <laughs> she sent me here's a, a screenshot of, of what she's been doing. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, because um, yeah, you've done a lot. You yeah. have done a, and are doing a lot. Um, and I think we reconnected because we hadn't seen each other in like probably a decade. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we reconnected at the Women's March. Yeah. 2009. Was that 2019? Yeah. Um, yeah, and you were, you were talking about missing and murdered indigenous women there. Absolutely. Um, that's kind of how we reconnected. And then it's like, then I like looked at your Facebook page and I was like, damn, she's been doing like anything and everything. And it's awesome. Yeah. And you tell us about your experience, like watching your mom do these awesome things and what you hope Lander will, or, you know, Fremont County generally, the world, what do you hope for it? with the work that you're doing, because your mom also said you're quite the advocate yourself. Um, I hope that we all can see eye to eye on things, like for everyone to be like inclusive of everyone and anything's beliefs, I guess. And especially with the MMIW movement, I feel that it's important to the native people and stuff because of what's been going on. It's like, the media has been covering about what's really been going on with like the MMIW and like how big it is and the like seeing my mom and what she does it's really like inspired me that you need to like even though people are always gonna agree with you you should always speak your mind and what you believe in and what you believe in is right and I feel that I don't know people should respect what you believe in and this one's crazy. <laughs> it is, boy For howdy. Sure. I feel like that's a <laughs> that's an understatement. Better. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, it is. It's a crazy time. It's a oh, man. man. And going back to the MMI or the Women's March, it was funny that we ran into each other because we literally were on our way down to Denver. And we hopped in. We literally car. went from that one, and I literally ripped off my ribbon skirt, jumped in with our signs. Headed straight down That's to Denver, so cool. hit the Black Lives Matter march down there, oh, and then yeah. the women's march down there as well. That's so, awesome. And of course, you know how big we go in Denver down there, especially yeah. being our homelands, being Northern Arapaho. It's always a big opportunity, especially for my daughter and her experience. I really want her to gain really good footing and a really strong foundation and grounding on you know, what's really out there as a Native woman. And, you know, one day I look to her to be a Native woman leader eventually, such as myself and my other daughters and my son. And so, you know, Talian's had quite the experience. She has an adventure every time we go somewhere. I mean, they love the swimming pools at the hotel and the eating out and shopping portion, but most definitely, I think, getting to witness and hear the stories of each individual going through the actual occurrences I think that's been an eye-opener for her so other than that you know I think I'm always glad to have her as my partner as as you see her being here with me today she's always my right hand lady in everything that I do and one day I'm going to have her voice to back me up so I'm looking forward to that so cool (laughs) so I love that so much Mm -hmm. 
Was there anything that you that we haven't touched on or that you haven't touched on that you would love to to talk to us about? Because I could really listen to you talk for, <laughs> for um, a really long time. I'm like, wow, you're so interesting. There's like so much happening. I'm like, this is great. Like, right? Yeah. I, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's never a dull moment when it comes to my path or my journey that I walk in. I think, you know, being, you know, reconnected here in town and being connected out there in the reservation, you know, I, I just don't want to identify with just reservation topics only, but mm-hmm. also coming into, you know, the township of Lander and really wanting to find a good footing. And, you know, my daughter's going to be going to school here eventually, you know, she's going into high school. Um, my other children follow in suit once we move into town and become full-time residents. Uh, I was really excited to actually get my mail in the other day, knowing that I can vote within a district of Lander now. So yeah. I was like amped up for that, you know. So a couple years back coming into Lander, um, I was a new voter and so I understand to register to vote. I wasn't aware that I had a particular area I could register to vote in. That blew my mind as far as me keeping an open mind, being diverse, universal. I went to go and register to vote here in Lander and I was actually turned away. And I had to go to another area to register to vote, not understanding the different yeah. districts. Um, well, they're not um, super clear on that. Let's be honest. Exactly. Well, like, like you a young, you know, you only turn in, what, 18? And you're like, I'm going to go. You know, you don't know these. Well, yeah, and no right. one tells you that. Exactly. That's like one of my biggest pet peeves. Mm-hmm. And like something that I would really love to work on is that communication there. Because it's like they put up so many stupid barriers to get and trust me, I hear you, but you know what, I turned that negative experience into a positive, and guess what I did, I went to the four directions, and I did get on the Native Vote Counts campaign throughout the nation, so I did get to work for four directions a couple years back in the last election, and I made that my goal, I, I wrote our county clerk a letter, and I got signatures, and I said, we need to better identify and get something out there, as far as the outline goes, education for the new voters, because I don't want anybody to walk up and feel like they don't have the right to vote. Because initially, yeah. when you go somewhere, that's yeah. the feeling you're going to get. Not that it's a fact, but the feelings come into play. And, it, you know, it turns you away to make you feel like you're not equal. Or, you mm-hmm. know, a lot of thoughts go through your head, especially when you're a minority. Yeah. Uh, did I do something wrong? Because sometimes that's the cloud over everybody's head is the unwelcomeness of not understanding something new. And so um, I did write a letter to the county clerk, got the signatures I needed, took it to the tribes, the tribes signed off on it. And it was amazing and very unique to see actual, you know, lander and individuals, you know, turn on a website to give out direction, give out better direction, give out information towards where to vote at, when to vote, where these ballots will be at, where you drop your ballot. So again, to turn it into that category and see so much information then explode from such a negative experience, I thought, see, this is where we needed to go. We didn't need the Facebook Killing rant. It. We didn't need the Twitter rant. We just needed some action. Yep, you know? And I, I didn't want to be a keyboard thug and sit there and, you know, vent about it and let Facebook, you know, compliment me on what I wrote. I, I needed to know, was I doing my due diligence by putting my feet on the ground and saying, you know, hit the ground running and where are we going? Yep. And so to get in there, write the letter, execute on it, initiate on it, watch the education come out of it and the information that was much needed. That was my plan of action and that's what I wanted to get to, you know. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I didn't mind hearing a few people vent here and there because that's always yeah. interesting to get the tea on the table. <laughs> so, like, spill it! <laughs> spill that tea! <laughs> right? Because I need a little, you know, entertainment myself sometimes and that's sometimes, yeah. you know, how we get it is just listen to everybody's experiences because yeah. sometimes they're not all good and sometimes they're great. So, again, I was very proud of that moment getting in That's there awesome. in the last election and yeah. getting to work on a campaign as well and travel the state and go to different townships and city halls and experience that. So, Sweet. Okay, here's a, here's a question that I ask every guest. Oh, yeah. What is your favorite lander smell? <laughs> Are we going out on Second Street? <laughs> yeah, sure, why not? Whatever, wherever it is, whatever it may I be. I always have to laugh because sometimes when I bring guests, oh, like, is that a pond? Are we swimming there? 
No, this is second street on Lander. Nobody swims Nobody there. swims there. And also, when it breaks, it smells horrible. I was like, are we talking about... When we say second street, do we mean we do we mean like South Second Street or like North Second Street? And now I'm realizing <laughs> yeah. you mean North, North Second Street. North Second Street. <laughs> to me, so like every time those break, I explain the smell as shit perm. That's what it smells like, like perm from like the eighties. Yeah, like when you perm your hair. Yes, it smells and like you that. Walk into oh. your mom's house and your aunts, and, and you're just like three of your aunts yeah. are there, and you and just like, know. There's you're like per- there's rods everywhere, and you're like. I will be outside for the next two days. Yeah, but that's what it smells like. Oh, man. Horrible. I'm like, this is the worst. My neighbor was a cosmetologist, and she, my, she was perm. I was like, why is her truck here? I knew why her truck was there. There was going to be perm rods everywhere. I swear, I went to school one day, and they said, Tara, you smell like a perm. And everybody knew back in the time. <laughs> yeah, they're like, hmm. And my grandma shows up with like a fresh perm to the school yeah, event, and I'm like, me <laughs> like just don't don't get too close. but you're absolutely right though that's what it smells like it's right and the only reason i say that is because that's where i had to drive through to get to my land sure, <laughs> and I'm like, sure. no, that is not a pond guys but Please anyhow my, my favorite smell i don't know i mean i have to say uh, sinks canyon Let's go. I'll go to the fishy smell at Sings Canyon where we go feed the fish. Mm. Oh, never gets good old. smell. That is a good smell. Never gets yeah. old. It really doesn't. So and I love the smell food. of like the actual cave, like the mm-hmm. like where it, it actually sinks, yeah, right? Like, like, it's like just go down there. It yeah, smells so good. Okay. It's like smells so musty and mist. Yeah. I was like, it's the mist. Like you're down with like down in the deep here with the rocks and the yeah. water and. Yeah, I think it smells smell a little like the ocean, but yeah. Wyoming style. Wyoming, exactly, yeah. exactly. And that's what I always say is up there. I can never, it never gets old up there. I mean, and some people go, oh, it stinks up here. And it's like, you just, you must be from the city. <laughs> <laughs> this is all good country. It's not like you yeah, can't go around it's good. Like that. <laughs> what about you? Oh, go for it. Oh, no. I was just going to say, I got to give a shout out to Trey Warren, who I was talking to. In season one, we were talking about some. When you're, like, near a creek, high up in the winds, there's, like, this weed that smells super skunky. And he, I think he called it... I called it skunk weed. I'm pretty sure he did, too. (laughs) So, so, I mean... Nice. I was kind of like, oh, man. Um, So, if you know what, like, the, I guess, the scientific name for skunk Skunk weed weed is, is, please hit me up. I could also just do a Google search. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> we please, live in an age of technology, I suppose. Yeah. I bet if you Googled what is that weird skunky smell, you'd get many different things. <laughs> no, yeah, especially with Google Maddies. <laughs> Google's reaching for the stars. Nowadays. Yeah, they're going for it, you know? Do you have a favorite Lander smell? No. Well, if you ever find one. Get back to us. That was it. That was my favorite Lander smell. She probably gets a lot of interesting smells nowadays. She's an employee over at Scream Shack. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. Favorite ice cream at Scream Shack so far? Hmm. Chocolate peanut butter cup. So good. Oh, it's so good. What Which What is the one that has the um, Pop Rocks in it? Oh, Beachcomber. Beachcomber. Oh, we just ran out. Shoot! I like never get it, but I got it that one time. I'm like, this is an experience. It's so fun. Oh yeah. I think if you're feeling sad, you oh, should just sure. go get some beachcomber. Yeah. It's like sure. she's like naming all these different names off to me, and I'm like, ah. I was like, how, how are we so creative? Like, <laughs> like, can you send a writer? Yeah, <laughs> that's how I feel about like anytime I look at like. Lipsticks, paint colors, like anything like that. I'm like, who's naming these? No doubt. Or That's like eyeshadows. Yeah. Or like palettes. I'm like, yeah, I'm like what is that who name? are you? <laughs> like, what are you doing? Yeah, like, do you just get to sit in a room and be like, you know what this reminds me of? What's like the coolest eyeshadow like name y'all have come across? Oh man, there's so many. I say I've, pi- I've seen pickle green before. Yeah. Pickle green in a palette. Well, and there's that one lady on TikTok that made a poop themed one. Yeah. They, that's what is her? Saying. Yeah, like she was like. You would eh, be surprised. Poop. And then she, <laughs> she does this like immaculate like makeover. Yeah. And she's like, <laughs> and like literally the names of the palette. Like, yeah. What? What? Is this? Like skin mark green or something. Yeah, like, yes, yes, you know exactly who yeah, I'm talking about. Yeah, it is like, and I'm like, well, and I don't know, but I'm like sitting there through the whole 
tutorial. Yeah. Like, you can't stop. The whole, yeah. And I'm like, my husband, I swear, is like on the other couch, like, <laughs> all of us girls are. Ladies are weird. <laughs> are we? Or are we real? Get out. <laughs> oh, man. This was fun. It was thank such you a pleasure so to much. have y'all. Thank you so much. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you for having us. Yeah. I mean, oh, one more thing. Okay. Is there anywhere that people can find information on what you're working on? Mm. Some place that you'd like to send them to like learn more about what you're doing with um, all of the different things? Well, right now you could definitely find me on Facebook under uh, Terry Arnell. Uh, I, look, I put a lot of my movements on there as well as my Instagram, kice307. Uh, right now, a lot of my main work and forte is going into our conservation at thegreaterYellowstone.org. You can find a lot of our bios, information, and the work we're doing there. We also have a tribal page on that website. And a lot of the information that's going to be plugged in towards our future work we're doing here with our tribal governance, sovereignty, collaboration efforts, and a lot of our water rights that are going to be coming up into place. So we're really excited cool. to hear about that. Cool. cool. All right. Nita. Well, thank you guys for having us. Yeah. yeah, thank I you. <laughs> I love what you guys are doing. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank you. We're happy to be here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just a little bit happy to be doing this with you. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Just a wee bit. It's, it's just because it's hot today. It's just, yeah. I just needed to get out, of, get out of the sun by running over here in all black. <laughs> yeah. All of us were like, what were we thinking? <laughs> we, we all got the memo. Only one in the tank top. <laughs> Again, thank you guys for having us. Yeah, yeah. thanks for being here. Thanks, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> this is Jordan. This is Amara. This is Deerlander. We'll talk to you later. Peace out.